Welcome to Infinity War and Beyond, the podcast where we stumbled through the MCU by watching one Marvel Studios film each week until we reached the mega epic blockbuster that is Avengers Infinity War. I'm Billy, and I will be your host this week as we look at Avengers Infinity War. As always, joining me is my co-host, Christoph. You, look, you got there eventually, Billy. Yeah, uh, that was. It took four goes. Yeah, you know what? Usually, it takes one or one or one or two, uh, two tries for us to get it right. But I think this is the most. I think it's the most I'm tries. So excited to talk about this film, Avengers: Infinity War. We're here. Yeah, it feels weird, doesn't it? Yeah, because it sounded like it felt very academic when we started the podcast. That would be counting down to this film, but having actually seen it, it just it it feels. I don't know, odd that it's now a real a real thing. It's here. The Infinity yeah. War is here. You've seen it, and now you don't need to speak to me anymore. Well, that's that's what maybe what I'm feeling today. Just a huge, overwhelming sense of relief that we don't have to really? communicate in any capacity. You have relief from not speaking to me. Imagine my relief not having to speak I can to only you. assume it's tenfold. Yeah, tenfold. <laughs> so, speaking of relief, I was really impressed Are with Are you my... going to be talking about... Is there, is there now ants or something? It's is not ants one? related. I was just going to say that I was relieved that I was able to hold my bladder for the, uh, for the two hour and 40 minute duration. Of... Avengers, oh, Infinity, Avengers War. Infinity War. Yes, it was a long film. You know, in in The Last Jedi, I had to go twice. Oh, God. Yeah, twice. I don't know what was going on that day, but my bladder was not agreeable. Yeah, this is well, a big what, film. Well, what drink did you drink while watching the film? I don't think I was drinking anything. Were you drinking anything in Avengers Infinity War? I was. I had a bottle of water because I'm okay. healthy. Well, I also had some pods, not so healthy. But um, yeah, I, I was very surprised. And I'm going to be honest, impressed with myself that I I only had a coffee before I watched this you, And you were all right? You, yeah, you lasted? Yeah, How did you find the extra duration? Because it's got 40... I, like, I think the next longest film is probably like 2 hours and 10 minutes. Okay, weirdly, I'm always... Not in a bad way, but I do sometimes unconsciously... Look at my watch slash phone because mm. my, I don't wear a watch. I have my phone um, because I get texts every now and again from family members or work or whatever. And a lot of the times it'd be like, "Oh crap, I've got to do this duck out quickly or send an email or something for work." Because yeah, I mean, you're just so big and important. That's I know, what I. Yeah, that's I what I'm. Yeah, yeah. I'm taking away. Or from I have you know phone calls from you because you know annoying me. Yeah, asking asking when we can record this podcast so you can finally get rid of me. <laughs> <laughs> no, but um, this is the first film where I'm never looking... But I'm not looking at the time just for um, like when the film's going to end. It's more like my brain... It's like even in horror films or de- like sort of de- detective deduction type films. Like I'm always trying to... like I can't help it. I'm always trying to th- figure out in my head, oh, who's the killer, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, that. you're trying to like figure, yeah, figure it out. And like my brain is all like... Wait, so how are they going to wrap this up? And I unconsciously look at the time. This is yes. the first, this is that, the first you know time what? I've not looked at my watch the entire time of the wow. film. See, I had the opposite experience. I usually don't, but in this film, I think in like the last sort of... There were 20 minutes left, and I was like interested to see... Because at that point, it was still ambiguous to me as to whether they were going to uh, wrap it up in that film or it was going to be a two-parter. So I checked my phone, and when I saw there was only 20 minutes left, I was like, oh, okay... We're not going to get a full resolution this time around, you know. Like this is this is clearly going to be a, a film that resolves this story. So I did check it to sort of have that clarity as to whether because it's. Do you remember ages ago when we had those the announcement posts that would come from mm-hmm. Marvel with the different name with the different film names? There was Avengers: Infinity War Part One and Part Two. Yeah. 
And then they just got rid of that and they just called this Infinity War. So to me, it was quite ambiguous as to whether it's a two-parter. Or not. Yeah. Now, full disclosure, we uh, will be discussing the film. I mean, we're not going to be discussing a pop-up of a plot. Um, that would be, yeah, that, that, that would be a big task given how many plot points there are in this film. Yes. So, what we're going to do is, um, you know, discuss it as we normally do with pickups. But we're going to spoil the shit out of it, is what yes, you're alluding to, right? Yes. So, essentially, look, from here on end, there's spoilers. So, yeah. And Apologies in advance. That's you know. Your yeah, name. like I would stop listening now if you haven't seen haven't seen the film. I think this yeah. film, I give it because it's the payoff of sort of what ten years of, you know, an eighteen Marvel films. I think more than any of the other films, I think it's really important that you go into this film unspoiled. Yeah, essentially. So, uh, without further ado, let's get into. Yeah, the well, let's films. roll the trailer and we'll jump into the podcast. The entire time I knew him, he only ever had one goal. To wipe out half the universe. If he gets all the Infinity Stones, he can do it with the snap of his fingers. Just like that. Tell me his name again. Thanos. We got one advantage. He's coming to us. We have what Thanos wants, so that's what we use. Let's talk about this plan of yours. I think it's good, except it sucks. So let me do the plan, and that way, it might be really good. Wow. made-up names, then I am Spider-Man. And we're back, and we're going to jump into uh, context. So, you know, I mean, there's not much in regards to... I was going to say, it's always awkward doing context when it's a film that's just come out, because there's not a lot of what we usually talk about in the segment, box office stats. Yes, I mean, we can't really talk about how much the film is made. Um, I'm just gonna like much like it in Black Panther. My guess is a metric shit ton. Metric shit ton. Okay. Do you want to make? Do you want to make a bet? Is it gonna make a metric shit ton more than Black Panther? Or is Black Panther? Oh. You know what? I'd be so surprised if this film doesn't do better than the first Avengers film. I'm just gonna throw that out there. Okay. All right. 
Because it's like anyone who's seen a Marvel movie ever, I think, is going to go and see this film. Yeah, look, I mean, I've got the stats. So mm. Avengers had a budget of two twenty mm. uh, million. Um, Age of Ultron had a budget of $316 million. Yep. The box office for Avengers was $1.5 billion. The box office for Avengers Age of Ultron was $1.4 uh, billion. The budget for Avengers Infinity War... It's weird, like, I, I, this is the first, kind of the first time I've seen this. It has, a, yeah, it's not an exact number. Yeah, it's between 300 to 400 million, which is weird. I think there's no... I think once you get, like, a final amount on costings and everything that's when we usually see yeah actually it was this much money yeah um yeah very true it's probably not a stage where they have those final costings yet so essentially but it's about 350 million probably. what's interesting to me though is the fact that this film is in about the same price range as avengers 2 so yeah because two was 360 did you say uh two was 316 oh 316 okay but it's potentially Compare, you know, within the ballpark of two, but this is such a bigger film. So when I looked at this budget, uh, sorry, the box office stats, like how much it made, maybe two days ago, it was thirty nine million. Okay, what's it at now? I'm oh, it is currently. I realized I had this number in front of me. I thought you were like doing a gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, ninety five million. Currently. So, but in, I don't know if that's international or just domestic. So US. I think that's international as well. Okay. Because when I looked at it two days ago, it was 39. That's pretty crazy. Well, given... I mean, given that the film came out here on Wednesday, so we're talking less than a week. Yeah. Uh, and plus, here's the thing. In Australia, it is currently... We're recording this on a Saturday, so it's not even the weekend in the US. Yep. So this is before opening weekend. Yep. Which is crazy. Wonder, did it open on a Thursday in, in America? You know what? All I know is... I know it's definitely... So, a, a friend of mine in New York uh, is seeing it tonight. So, Friday night, uh, New York time. It must so have it is opened out. a Thursday. So, my guess is it did open Thursday there. But are the opening nights in America Thursday, like here in Australia, or is it a Friday? I'm, I'm not sure. How different our cultures are, Billy? They are. Like, I mean, even in Australia, there's, like, different... Thursday... In Sydney, there's Thursday late night shopping. That's right. Yeah. Well, we get out out in the suburbs as well. Thursday late night. No, I mean like not in, like a fancy city person thing, Billy. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> well, you don't even want to go down that that yes. path. All right. Okay. So this. So is, yeah, ninety five million, which is insane. Yeah. That's more money than you and me will ever earn in our lifetime ever. Mm. Um. So it opened here in Australia on a public holiday, Anzac Day. Yeah, which um, we were talking about this. Uh, that it raised a little bit of, I think, among maybe some more conservative pundits, uh, raised a little bit of a, a bit of ire because they were concerned that people were doing put, traditional put, Australian activity. Yeah, let's just put it out there. The Today Show um, in Australia, which is uh, for international people, it is not a high mark of journalism. It's essentially an Australian version of the Today Show in yeah, America. So it's about um, at that level. Yeah, um, someone that is on it made a statement about how, you know, it's pretty poor of Australian cinemas um, to release the movie on Anzac Day, which is, you know, meant to be a day reviewed for all the soldiers that... Yeah, it's, you know, it's a military uh, and cultural significance. Yeah, but here's the thing. It's been released um, on... Movies have been released on Anzac Day before. Mm. Um, I, I think I watched Thor Ragnarok or Guardians of the Galaxy 2 on Anzac Day. Interesting. Uh, Billy, I'm going to throw this, I'm going to throw this uh, theory out there and I could be, I could be grasping at straws, 
But do you think shows like today are grasping for news stories and to kick up outrage wherever they can just to uh, just to like get the, views? I feel like the particular that's my working theory. I feel like the particular person who raised the outrage, Carl Stefanovic. Um, <laughs> just calling him out on the podcast. Who gives a I shit? Called, I called him out on Twitter. That's fine. Well done. Yeah. Um, I feel like the the only reason he had some ire about it being released is to make out that he's like a good guy. Um, sort of like thinking of the battlers and everything. Yeah. Um, because he, um, in recently, it found recent news, like in the past year or so, he was recorded in an Uber slagging off his co-workers on That's the Today so Show. That's so funny. And also... Especially because it happened in an Uber is particularly funny to me. Yeah, and also, I mean, this is his private life, but last year, he, I think he, he left his wife for a younger woman or something. So he's, he's just taking, like, the celebrity asshole, like, he's, the celebrity yeah, asshole trying, playbook. Yeah, and he, um, uh, he's also co-host left because um, they she, weren't going to pay her that's similar right. wage as him. Uh, so I think, yeah, they're trying to do some damage by making him out to be the good guy. Sort of thing. So he's attacking Avengers Infinity War, which is a weird move. Yeah. Funniest thing, though, they had a cash giveaway on Anzac Day, and the code word was Anzac, and oh, apparently God. it was illegal to do that. Really? No yes. way. Yes. But anyway, wow. back to Avengers what a, Infinity What a fun War. Australian right turn. I, thor- I actually, not saying this ironically, I thoroughly enjoyed the weird rabbit hole we just went down. Let the, but yeah, so the it, karma for that was probably infinite. <laughs> so the point of all that was that, oh yeah, here it came out in a public holiday. So I think it made, meant that a lot of people were able to see it opening day. Mm. You'd, sell, you know, you'd say you saw, said you saw it in the morning. I saw it that night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's always interesting seeing movies opening day. I want I want to ask you a question, Billy. Well, it's a two-parter. First is, did you get any people clapping and cheering at your viewing? Yes. And second, how do you feel about people clapping and cheering at the movies? Because I, love... I have strong opinions. Okay, I love watching these films with my fellow geeks, but there are my fellow geeks who I love... Pointing out to my partner things in a film. Oh my god, that's the Crimson Bands of Katorak and blah blah blah. But yep. there's a way to do it that's not annoying. Okay, so what were there people pointing stuff out quite loudly in your cinema whenever like... Not during the film, in the credits. There were people oh. sitting in front of me that was very loud during the credits when everyone's left. And it's like, just shut up. Like, well don't come across like a wanker. Because then the person who he was talking to ended up checking out was just looking at his phone anyway. Oh, so he was sort of stuck with that friend who kind of wants to go on the the rants about how they understand. Yeah, and how oh, all the correct oh, connections. Yeah, that's wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, look, I like it. I think I get kind of excited more. But then the worst thing about it is that I miss some dialogue because people are clapping and stuff, and cheering. Yeah. So then the, that I mean I am definitely going to watch this a second time because I want as. I'll explain later on why. Another reason why I want to watch it a second time. But, yeah, no, I want to get watch it a second time to catch those things again that I missed partially. Mm. What, okay, so, ask those questions yeah. to you. Surprising then. no one, I hate both clapping and cheering in movies. It serves no purpose. The Russo brothers aren't going to appear from behind your cinema screen and say, thank you for clapping. We're waiting here the whole time. They're not that insecure. See, so you've never been to a Sydney Film Festival screening with me before. Did it, with me and Stu from Geek of Oz as well. But that happens quite a bit at, 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 at the city. Applauding. Yeah, applauding mm. of the films. I'm just... 
I just think it's I just think keep your adoration inside. For me, seeing a film with such a solo experience that people cheering and clapping take me out of it. And like when people cheer when like Thor comes on and starts beating up guys, I'm like, did you not think that this was gonna happen? Why are you cheering? It's literally like the like it's literally Christoph, on the posters, guys. Christoph, Come on. Christoph, it's okay to have <laughs> feelings. You can let inner Christoph out. <laughs> Anyway, so were there was there heaps in your there scene? were a lot of yeah a lot of cheering. Was it a sold out session? I think yes, yes, I believe it was. Okay, see for mine it was a movie. Sorry, it was a morning session. Um, I'm pretty sure it was about eighty percent sold out. Okay, yeah, that's pretty. I mean, I took a photo because you went to a smaller cinema. Yeah, I took I went to my local cinema, which was not one of the big chains. Not, yeah, that's what I meant. Like it's not a big chain cinema. No, and I took a photo of the crowd lining up to buy tickets and for the f- cinema and it felt like a crowd that would be for like a uh, a Saturday night screening yeah for a Wednesday morning I posted it on the Geek of Wars um, Facebook page um, Stu did mm. but um, yeah. so who did you see this movie with? Um, I saw it with my partner and we ended up how did I would be interested to see because is has TJ seen the other films? yes he has oh okay because my um, I think we can maybe touch it, touch uh, this on on this in pickups. But I feel like if you haven't seen all of these films, then there's a or at least a majority of them. I think Infinity War would did be a lot. Did you see this with Andrea? I did. It, so my wife Andrea, it is unlikely that I could convince her to come and see this with me. And to be honest, I I wouldn't want to deal with how bored she would get in it. I'm just gonna. Okay, alright. Gonna put that out there. But I did see it with Chris from Geek of Us and I enjoyed thoroughly looking over at his his reactions at certain points. And man, he uh he was very invested, is what I, so he like yeah, like he's I just sort of the the lack of joy I felt, I was able to live vicariously through his his squeals maybe, and like smile. Maybe we need to get you the soul stone. Did it did they make it clear what that what the stone does in the film? Well, it would give you a soul. Okay, let's let look. Let's move on. So we're talking about box office numbers. <laughs> um, You're just bypassing that joke. Do we do we do we want to quickly go through the uh, cast list? Um, I'll, so okay, before we do that, yep. um, the film is directed by Ooh, of course Anthony Ru- and Joe Russo. Yeah. So what other Marvel films have they given us, Billy? Uh, Cap Civil War, this Avengers one. They're doing Avengers. Infinity War and Cap the Winter Soldier. Yeah, I was going to say they've directed arguably two of the strongest films in the in the franchise. And this screenplay was done by Christopher Marcus and your favorite Stephen McFeely. Stephen I saw McFeely. I saw the words McFeely on the big screen and I was I had a good chuckle to myself. That's nice. Um, and they, as we've discussed before, they've done the three Cap films, uh, Avengers three um, and four, and they also created Agent Carter. And now is it. Is McFeely one of the in-house guys? Because we're talking about the people who no. last week have come out through the Marvel intern no, he's not sort of writing program. Okay, he's not. Because mm. I could because this script felt very like there was a lot of notes it had to had to hit. I was kind of wondering, I I kind of wondering how much control and input Feige and the rest of Marvel Studios probably had in the script. And I imagine it'd be a lot more than usual because this is a combination of everything they're working towards. Yeah, but also I feel like you know. It did have, while there had to be certain things, there was an actual story, and it did have the Russo brothers' flair to it. Okay, so you sort of felt that it was, to, to you it was recognisable as one of their films? Mm-hmm. Okay. 
All right, so look, uh, in terms of cast cast for this movie, we've got all the Marvel heavy hitters. We've got Robert Downey Jr., Chris Hemsworth, Mark Ruffalo, Chris Evans, Scarlett Johansson, Benedict Cumberbatch, Don Cheadle, Tom Holland, Chadwick Boseman, Paul Bettany, Elizabeth Holton, Anthony Mackie, Sebastian so, Stan, yeah, like basic, everyone. Basically, either all the leads oh, or their side you, people. You know who I was surprised to see? Gwyneth Paltrow. Really? Yeah. After being in Spider-Man uh, Homecoming? Yeah, you true. I wasn't. It's just interesting how she's kind of back in the fold after not being in Civil War. Well, we kind of discussed that in Spider-Man. I feel like it's... She has money. got much... More money and also, like, I think she's... Does it have much going on? Empty yeah. empty calendar? Yeah, empty calendar. It's like, yeah, right, why not? I'll do it again. Uh, the interesting thing about this film in terms of casting is it really didn't introduce... It, anyone we, new. Yeah, like, it was Ex- very minimal with the new yeah, characters it introduced. Um, yeah, it didn't really introduce anyone new except the Black Order... Yes. Which is um, Thanos' I mean, sort of stepkids. Yeah, but the funny thing about all the Black Order characters is they were they they didn't really outside of combat you didn't no. really spend much time with them and they all I believe they've all pretty much been killed by the end of this film as well. Yeah, but I feel like when they were in so okay, the Black Order um is I'm trying to think of the names. Uh yeah, so there's well, there's Cull Obsidian. We'll go into them later on in the film. There's Colour Obsidian, Ebony Moore, Proxima Midnight, and Corvus Glaive. Now, even in... in they, they were created by um, Hickman. Yeah, um, jo- Jonathan, writer Jonathan Hickman. Yeah, um, in the series Infinity. Yeah, so which was a big uh, crossover event that starred... Um, that had Thanos in it. Yeah, but um, even in that, they didn't really have any, like... Personality? Were, no, I mean, they did, but... They didn't. You didn't see much of them in that main series, anyway. It was yeah. it was them fighting or doing something for Thanos yeah. and reporting back. They they and in this film as well, they just felt like big guys to beat up rather than like characters in their own right. Exactly. So the other character is the uh, the dwarf blacksmith whose name I cannot for the life of me remember, but he was played by Peter Dinklage, mm-hmm. uh, who was you know a, a fairly big name to have in your film, uh, given his how much he's blown up through Game of Thrones. Um, so that was really the only sort of new friendly character that was introduced. Yes. Um, yeah, um, well, actually, there was one more character. Yeah. So um, his, the char- the actor's name is Ross uh, Markand. Oh, yeah, Mar- yep. So he's from... I think the walking he plays a character Aaron on the Walking, walking Dead, Dead, which is probably where most people might know him from. I imagine. Yeah, so he portrayed uh, the Red Skull. The Red Skull who yeah. was in this film. Yeah, well, I guess I didn't think of him as a new character because he was returning. Well, this is the thing, and a lot of people weren't sure if it was Hugo Weaving because the voice was so similar. You know what? I I I felt it was similar, but a little bit off. Off, and yeah. then so I what when we watch waiting through the credits, I like kept my eyes open to see, see who played him, yeah, and exactly. I was not surprised to find out it wasn't Weaving. Yeah, because I mean we've also discussed this before on the the Cap episode how Hugo Weaving has said like he doesn't he's not interested to come back to the character. At all. Yeah, and and I think in many ways I was very surprised to see the Red Skull in this film. I think I thought it was cool, and it was one thing that genuinely surprised and delighted me. Yeah, but I feel like. I get why Weaving left. I think the Red Skull sort of had his arc in the Captain America film. Yeah, but we'll um, go into that. For yeah, the in, yeah, in yeah. Well, look, I, I I think that's all for context. Yeah. Well, why don't we um, just jump into context? Into pickups, you mean? Sorry, pickups. We've only been doing this podcast for like eighteen episodes now, Billy. 
Um, Don't give me shit now. <laughs> so, okay, pickups is a part of the show where we pick apart certain parts of the film. Uh, often in previous episodes, these are films we're dealing with films we've seen multiple times. Whereas this film is our first time. Yeah, so, I mean, it's by no means going to be a review, but it's definitely going to be us talking about things that stood out to us, things we liked, things we didn't like. Uh, and, and as we said, we're going to we're not we're going to try and not give a blow by blow of the yeah, plot. of course. But because that would be make us sound like crazy people, because so much happens in this film. Or bad reviewers. Yeah, very, <laughs> very true. And we'll also uh, something bad one star reviewers. Something that B- Billy loves to do as well uh, that I enjoy hearing from him is he loves uh, highlighting some of the Easter eggs. Yeah, which usually I don't pick up on. And so but, it's always good um, to have his eagle eyes on the case. And also we talk about the um, the comic book parallels as well. Yeah, well, with the Easter eggs, I might wait until a couple of pickups in and then yeah. we'll talk about it. Yeah, of course. So why don't you go first? What pickup would you like to discuss? Yeah, okay. This is, I know something that you, that I think you and me see differently on. Okay. Uh, which is, and this is a reoccurring theme of the show of us having very different opinions on, mm-hmm. on the various Marvel movies we watch. So I was. This didn't feel like a film to me, and it's hard to put into words what I mean by that. But it felt. Uh, I might stop you because yeah. I think I know where you're going. Yeah. It doesn't feel like a normal comic book film. It, well, it doesn't feel like, like any sort of film I've no, seen. I that's know. maybe the better way. It doesn't feel like anything that's come before. Yeah, it does. It feels more like a comic book event film, which we yeah. haven't really seen before. Yeah, well, for people who maybe haven't sort of uh, read uh, comics or at least mainstream superhero comics, Billy, do you want to sort of okay, go so, through what an event, what yeah, an event so series is? An event series will be like, um, it'll probably be six issues, um, and it's like this. So, in um, in for example, the one we talked about before was Infinity, um, and that one is, I think, how long ago? 2013? Yeah, that sounds about right. 2013. Yeah, um, so it was... Thanos sort of coming to Earth to find his kid and also invade the Earth. But along that, um, that main story, which was about six issues, you had sort of like all the other issues... All the other series of titles... Of yeah, all the other ongoing series, like the Avengers or New Avengers, will sort of deal with the four, their own stuff that's going on at the time as well as the fallout from that main yes. series. And it's an event that sort of... Sometimes we'll focus on maybe one part of the Marvel Universe or the entire Marvel Universe. Yeah, and a lot of the time these books have crazy big casts yeah. and jump between different locations, all elements that we saw in this film. And in those event issues, it's not uncommon for, you know, like a 20, uh, 22 page event issue, you know, to have characters like big characters like Spider Man or Iron Man or Captain America teaming up with people they don't normally team. Well, I was going to say that, that happens as well, but they might only say a couple of lines. Yeah, but then also sometimes the the lines in the comic, like in the event, they're actually really cool, or like out of out of out of the blue, you'll see Spider Man attack this major villain. It's like yeah. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That the events give these big payoff moments that we wouldn't see otherwise. Uh, the, and usually, a lot of the times, there's a lot of splash pages, and the yeah. artwork is on point, sort of thing. Because this is the sort of this the is jewel big, of yeah. this event. Like, I mean, that's the thing. The event should just be focused. Like, an event should just be that main series. But a lot of the times, you have the fallout, so the, the the event has to be sort of that jewel of the event. Yeah, and often, a lot of the time, they're often turning points to new 
like it's you get the impression that they want to take the Marvel Universe to a new place. So this event is a vehicle to get them there, and the event's big and it's bold and it's brash and everyone's involved. And there's usually an event every year. Yes. So I guess bringing it back to this film, this film felt like that, right? It was big. It felt like a vehicle. Uh, given the nature, the way that this film ended, um, and given that the power that the Infinity Stones have, which include time and reality, yeah. My guess is that. Once we get the second half, we're going to get a reboot or reestablishment of the Marvel Universe in some way. That I I, of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I personally think it might be this. The next film might be set maybe a few months after. I think timeline wise, it's going to be fairly close. Yeah, yeah, close to maybe a couple of months after, and sort of figuring out how they deal with it. And of course, yeah, there are also the various parts of the Infinity Stone. There's reality, power, and whatnot, and time. But yeah, look, I don't know, do you want to talk about thoughts on what you think might happen in Avengers 4 as a pickup? Yeah, well, why don't we touch on that a little bit? Yeah, a little Later bit down the on. track. Yeah, once we've maybe covered a bit more of the film. But yeah, look, I do agree with you. It doesn't feel like a normal comic book film. It mm. feels like an event film. But I like that because I feel like I personally feel, and you are probably going to disagree with me, is that everything in this film is not forced and it feels earned over the 10 plus years and 18 films. (laughs) Yeah, I feel like everything is, is earned. Nothing's forced to happen. I mean, you might say it's servicing the, the movie or it's, but yeah, I feel like everything in this film is earned. Every everything that's happened is a payoff on ten yes. years, ten years plus of story building. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it's interesting you talk about the idea of payoff uh, because this is crass. But the best way I've come up to describe this movie, it's like the last like minute of a pornographic movie for two hours and forty minutes because it's all payoff. Like, but ev- it's not a bad. I don't think that's a bad thing. And I'm not. I don't want to say whether it's a bad thing or a good thing. But in traditional, like in traditional sort of film storytelling, yeah, no, you, you can't have every scene being a payoff. So in that way, this is different because I think it does work to an extent. But I think it it just feels. Well, it I, just feels yeah, no, really different. I feel like it's look. It's 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 its own. It is. It can be its own story, but it also has the payoff of other films. Which I, I don't, don't think you know what I think if you were to watch this in a vacuum, it would be an abs- it would be an absolute mess. This only makes sense because you already know the characters, and what's not, what is rewarding about it is the payoffs of things that my, the MCU has been building towards. I think if you were just to hadn't if you, could, do you actually think someone could have not seen any of the other films go into this blind and enjoy themselves? Like genuinely think it's yes and no. Okay. Yes, because it's like, you know, a popcorn flick. They could have enjoyed it as a popcorn flick. Like in terms of just the action and special effects? Yes, story-wise as well. I feel like it tells its own story while building on everything else. I feel like you can watch this on its own. You, I, you, okay. yeah, you, can, I've, you can disagree with me. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I, feel free to continue, but I think I definitely, yeah, strongly disagree that I just don't feel like it has its own legs, but... okay. But I agree with you that in terms of like the the action stuff, very rewarding. Yeah. Look, I mean, look. Do I think it's a traditional sequel? Sort of yes. Okay. Sort of no. 
Well, what? Why do you think it's a sequel? What? What? Like, well, I mean, what thing, feels it's... like a traditional sequel about it for you? I'm just interested. Is it the fact? Is it the fact that, like a sequel, you're sort of picking up and expanding on these these characters that we've had before? Like the fact that there is that familiarity there. This feels like an Empire Strikes Strikes Back film for the Avengers to me. Okay. Interesting. It's a better sequel than Age of Ultron. Look, I'm not going to argue with that one. And I don't yeah. think many people would, to be honest. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, the, also, the other thing is, I feel like it's also... It's almost... The main actor of this film is Thanos. Yes. I, I'd, I'd love to actually talk to you about uh, that as a, uh, as a that, pickup. You that was, that was going to be my next pickup. Yeah. But I, honestly, look, I feel like it is a good film. And I know you haven't said it's a bad film. I, I just think that it's not... It's not just, a traditional yeah. film. I think it's... And a, it's not like a traditional sequel. I think it... Comparing this as you would a regular film would be like going to, a, going to an expensive restaurant, eating a meal, and then going to McDonald's, eating a Big Mac, and comparing the two. And they're two very different things. They both fill you up, and they're both... Well, they're both food, but they're... But they really are on ex- like super opposite spectrums. I, I, I feel like calling it Maccas is a bit different. Well, I like I'm, but I don't mean that as like I don't mean the Macca thing as like a as a diss. I mean in terms of with fast food or sort of franchise food, the the meals you get hit are going to hit certain notes, and I feel like this film was designed to hit certain notes, which it does. Okay. Anyway, I, yeah, so th- my sort of take home is I don't kind of know what... I'm still figuring out what I think of this this film because I don't really think it is a film. Not a good thing or a bad thing. It's just me trying... I, 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 I don't it, genuinely know what I think I about think, it in many ways. I think it is, but I think it's an event film. As I said, I think it's a comic book event film. It's mm. a comic book film. Yes. Which is a new and interesting thing. And I and I completely agree with you. I think in terms of what we can we, accurately compare this to, I think the only real metric is a comic book event. Yeah, that's the thing. I feel like... The, and that's the thing. It's like, what comic book event do you compare it to? I mean, not... I mean, I read Infinity... So this is... Okay, the movie is based on... Um, the Back in the 90s... Um, the, creator, the best time for comics. Yeah, the creator of um, Thanos is, and a lot of space characters, including some of the Guardians, um, is Jim Starlin and Mike Frederick. So in 1990 and then 1991, Jim Starlin wrote um, this two-part ish- issue, a two-part series called The Thanos Quest. And that was Thanos trying to get the, um, the Infinity Gems. And he gets them in two issues. Um, and then the Infinity Gauntlet is essentially when he gathers them and, you know, does that whole... Yeah, puts him in a glove. Puts him in a glove and, you know, fights the Avengers and mm. all the various heroes from the Marvel Universe. Um, so Jim Stalin wrote those and Ron Lim was the art on Thanos Quest and both he and George Perez were the art on Infinity Gauntlet. It's based on those comics. Um, and I'll go into pickups later. There's some parts in it that are very Easter eggy as well. So I don't think you can compare it to that because it was a really small event. I think you'd have to compare this film to some of the bigger events that mm. Marvel does. And I could be wrong, 
on this, but my understanding of a lot of these events is there are some notable exceptions, but a lot of them aren't super great. They have some notes and some moments that are really great, but overall, they're they're a means to an end rather than a thing in themselves. Events now in comics are so much different to events back in the day. Especially because they do it, like you said, one every year. Yeah, events in comics back in the day, like in the 90s and before, are very much ones that you could read in like a trade Mm. on their own. Which is now it's very big. Yeah, well, which is the path Marvel's sticking to, where funnily enough, DC, with a lot of their events and stuff, are realising that readers prefer if they're more enclosed and making it sort of easier and cheaper to follow a story instead of... Sort of you needing a million times to know what's going on. Well, I'd love to jump into that uh, pickup you were saying about how it's sort how for you it felt like a Thanos film because I yeah. completely agree. Yeah, look, it did. It felt like the main actor of this film was Thanos. Yeah, which I liked, and it was interesting because we got more backstory and growth on the character, and also he's so much more different compared to the comics. Now, isn't he? Isn't he like literally just a like a jerk in the comics? Like he's the not jerk, a he's there's nothing sort of noble like a, about what he's doing. He's like a nihilist in the comics. Yeah. Um, Whereas here they've given him he has a genuine purpose and an ethical sort of bat, a, a moral fiber to him, I guess. So in the comics he's obsessed and loves this figure. So in the comics there's all these cosmic figures who represent something. There's like a lady, there's someone who, there's this grand uh, figure who represents the universe. Um, there's people that represent chaos, order. There's a female figure who represents death. And Thanos is obsessed and in love with death. And he's always trying to please her and prove his love to her. Yeah. So in the comics, the reasoning for him wanting to gather the Infinity Stones and wipe out the universe is to prove his love to it's her. A, it's to impress a girl, because clearly they don't have space tender yet. Yeah, whereas in... <laughs> Took a little bit to sink in, Cosmic, that terrible joke. Cosmic but it got you. But in this, it's more... He wants to wipe out the universe because he doesn't want what happened to his homeworld yeah. to happen to the rest of the universe. Which... First up, I think this is a great example of the MCU at its best in terms of condensing down and simplifying ideas. And so, make, I feel like this is a, one of the MCU's better villains. I, I think he's, yeah, for sure, if not one of the best. Mm. I think up there with, I mean, Killmonger and Vulture. Vulture. And also, I know you disagree with me, but Zemo. You know what? I've been warming up on Zemo a little bit. Okay. Uh-huh. So I, I would agree that he is one of the better villains. because, okay. And I think that's because they very they sort of hide his motivations really well. And it's only at the end you find out uh, his, that his motivations are personal rather than uh, sort of nationalistic. Yeah, and so, I mean, in this film, Thanos wants to, you know... He does invade uni- planets and sort of kill half the population. Um, but he wants of, to balance the universe, yeah, right? Yeah, but he figures it's quicker to do it with the Infinity Gauntlet. Yes. Yeah, so he has a clear goal. What's interesting to me about Thanos in this film is we've mentioned it before that Kevin Feige's pretty much come out and said, uh, or he has, not pretty much, like he's gone on the record to say that part of Mar- the Marvel sort of villain problem is that their villains are designed to facilitate the growth of the hero in this, I found the opposite, that the heroes were there to facilitate Thanos' growth in his path. Exactly. Exactly. Um, I mean, 
with Gamora, for example, you find out that Thanos isn't this completely cold-hearted person. He does truly love Gamora as a daughter. Mm. That Whereas looked... Gamora... You, you didn't believe that scene? or No, it's not that I didn't believe it. It's that to, I wanted to ask you if you... Did you, did you see that coming? Because I felt it was fairly well signposted. I that didn't... he was gonna, it was gonna be hard okay, for him when, to. Uh, when, when the Red Skull said, "Look, you have to sacrifice something to get the Soul Stone," then, I, then it clicked. Oh no, he's gonna sacrifice. Yeah, something. that was. But I didn't see it coming that he was very, like the tear that he would be affected about killing Gamora. To me, because remember they showed the flashback before where he he sort of took her from when he's killing off half the people on her home planet. Yeah, and he takes. Gamora aside, to me that scene made it pretty clear that he he sort of he cared about it because otherwise why would he show that scene? I mean, it did, like uh, don't get me wrong, yeah, that scene showed that he cared about her as well, but yeah, just I don't know part of that scene where he sacrifices her, I didn't see the tear and him becoming visibly upset about it, having to do it. You didn't believe that. No, I didn't see it coming. Oh, okay, okay. So yeah. you were surprised by that. I believed it though. Yeah. Okay. Once he did it. Hmm. Uh, yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, I look. I felt that that was like everything in this film, and I maybe I'll go into it a bit later. Was fairly well signposted, just because I had so much to get through. There was no room to hide. Be able to hide the gears. Uh, no, I, I disagree with you. I don't feel like it was overly like I didn't see some things coming. I did see, like, you know, okay, the Guardians are going to go here and so forth. I mean, I was still surprised with some things in this film. Okay, well, maybe we'll, we'll go into that a bit later because I kind of want to talk a little bit more about about Thanos, if you're keen. Yeah. So, in regards to Thanos, this was a recurring thing I found in the whole in the whole film, and this has happened a lot with Marvel films, is a lot of the scenes from the trailer uh, weren't in the film. And it feels like when they're doing the trailer, they're sort of stitching together a specific narrative that that is meant to sell you the film, but isn't a hundred percent reflective of the film. Yeah, look, and the other thing is, I I, I totally get the whole filming fake scenes now. Yes, yeah. Which, like, because I mean, when there's Thanos, another fake scene, I'll bring up a little bit later. Are you talking about big... the one where Thanos is versing Cap? No, I was the, thinking about the scene where they're all running in Wakanda and the Hulk is running with them. Because okay. that to me is a big example of a mister, you know, a, a deliberate misdirect given the specific arc that the, yeah. Hulk, the Hulk has with uh, with Banner. So okay, there's a scene where Cap is sort of holding Thanos back by the glove. By Does the that? Hand. I thought that happened in the film. That does happen, but if you look at the trailer on the glove, there's only two gems. Oh wow! Okay. In the movie, there's the f- when it happens, he's got all of them. Well, no, not all, but I think... No, he hasn't got visions yet. Yeah, he hasn't got the Mind Stone. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, no, look, I I like that whole misdirection thing, because it's like, okay, cool, it's selling me the film, but now I'll go in and just watch the film. Well, and I guess why... Because there was a bit in the trailer where Thanos says something about how joy isn't something you consider when balancing the universe, but this puts a smile to my face when he's fighting the Avengers... So you kind of got the feeling from the trailer that he does take some joy in this, whereas in the film, the way that his arc started and when he cried, you know, having to sacrifice Gamora for the Soul Stone, Mm. and then at the end where he sort of sits on his home planet and just sort of has that sigh of relief at being done, 
Oh, it's not his home planet. It's not his home planet? No, that's not Titan. That's not his home... Oh, no, it wasn't, because they were in Titan. Well, when he's sort of sitting in that shack... Yeah, this lush place. Yeah, and you sort of see relief. To me, the way that he was portrayed in the film was very relatable. Especially given that... And this is something that irked me a little bit, but I get it, it's a studio film, is that... His concern that he's bringing up, essentially overpopulation, it's a genuine concern. It's it is. something causing problems and insta- instability all over the world. I don't agree with killing half the population. No, I'm not. I'm not advocating that. I guess what I would have liked to see the in his... The podcast does not advocate killing, <laughs> killing half the population. 50% of the universe's population. Yeah. Um, but I guess what I struggled with was it, that it would have been nice to have some dialogue scenes where maybe the Avengers sort of interacted him with a little bit more on that sort of problem and his solution. Because the problem is valid. and it, But he just sort of presents his solution and there's no sort of dialogue about well, he's it. he's set in his way, that's the thing. Yeah, I guess my point is thematically, I would have loved if they could maybe explore that a bit more. But it's a studio film, so, you know, you, you it is what it is. Who knows, that might be explored in this next film. Yeah. Because, you know, it says at the end of the film... Thanos will return, which is I like that. That's interesting. Oh, and usually, it plays it plays to it being his film. Yeah, because it's like no, the Avengers aren't going to return. It's interesting. Thanos will return. Uh, while we're on Thanos, last week we predict. I feel like it wasn't hard to predict, but we predicted at the end of the film he'd get the Infinity Gauntlet, that mm-hmm. he'd have all the Infinity Stones. Mm-hmm. So uh, I assume for you, when that happened, that wasn't surprising. Yeah, but, but when he actually flicked his fingers and did, you know, got rid of half the universe, did that was that a big surprise for you? A little bit, yeah. Okay. The the balls on Marvel to do that, very big balls. Interesting. Hulk balls. So not to, not to bring up Hulk penis and balls again. <laughs> oh no, I'm I'm in. Yeah, but, uh, um, yeah. It's interesting you bring that up uh, because that makes me think of two things. The first relates to this film being, you know, at least one of two. Yeah. So, in three-act structure, which is the most common sort of... Most movies follow three-act structure. Uh, the, the, the middle of the film, called the midpoint, quite often, this is a point of the film where the character either gets what they want, and it turns out it's sort of... And then in the second part, half of the film, they sort of find out that what they want isn't actually what they need. Or they don't get what they want, and everything's in dire straits. So... so but Thanos, he's gotten everything he wants, which again relates to this. This is his. This is his film. This is his journey. And then now, who knows? Maybe the next film will be. He realizes it's not what he wants. That's what. That's my suspicion. I think he'll still be the bad guy, but I think he will. Okay. I think there's. He's maybe going to second guess his call. Well, in the Infinity Gauntlet, in the think the first issue or the second issue, he clicks his fingers and wipes out the universe. I think it's the first issue, maybe. Okay. So, already into this four-issue... No, actually, six-issue series. He's already Early wiped, on, he's done it. Yeah, he's wiped them out. And then the rest of it is very much them battling to stop him. Because it's all... From then on, it's like, come and get me sort of thing. Yeah, okay. So, it's a very different film compared to the, the story it was based on. But, near the end of the film... This person, he's so in the in the comic, he's torturing Nebula, leaving her in a half dead, half alive state. Does that mean it does happen in the film as which well? Which is yeah, which which is that was one of the Easter eggs I was going to mention. I mean, in the in the comics, Gamora is like flesh, as opposed to in the comics being it's sorry, in the post in the movie being half robotic. 
So, I mean, that's a flashback, her being ripped apart and still alive. So, she grabs, in the comic, she grabs hold of the Infinity Gauntlet and sort of, she gets sort of tricked into wiping away everything that Thanos had done. Okay, so because sort of resetting they, the universe. Yeah, because they, they kind of trying to get her to wipe it away and to be in the state she was before she grabbed the gauntlet off Thanos and restored her to normal. Um, because she says, I'm going to reverse everything from 24 hours ago. And then you see for a brief panel, she's back to her half-dead, half-alive state with the glove on, but then she quickly snaps and goes back to normal. Because they don't want someone unstable having the gauntlet. Mm. And from then on, it's Thanos sort of teaming up with the leftover Avengers and people to attack Nebula and take over, take the gauntlet off her. I would be... So in... do you think the gauntlet in a sequel might go to someone else? Yeah, I'm curious if possibly Thanos, and I know it might be outrageous to say, maybe not team up, but sort of that whole them going to with go, go to him. He realises it's not always what he wanted, all this stuff that he did. And mm. he needs the Avengers to help reverse what he did. That's a, Yeah, that's what I wonder too. Because I think they've given him too much humanity for him not to have some sort of some sort of more complexity to him. Or a, a turn in his arc, right? Yeah, and that's the thing. At the end, when before he disappeared, you, you saw the, the gauntlet was sort of in tatters from being used with that much power. But you don't know what's left of it. Yeah, who that's a good if, point. Who knows if the like the stones disappeared? Yeah, and if he's able to do anything like that again, or correct his mistake, inter- mm. or what he's done rather. Interesting. All right. Well, shall we pivot to another pickup? Yeah. What do you want to talk about? So I would like to talk about how busy this film was, and that and that it and I, that it was cramming a lot in. Okay, I thought it was busy, but not in a bad way. I think it. I thought pacing wise, it was actually pretty good. So, I feel like it shifted to the three stories that were happening. Okay. Very well. Very well. Yeah, I agree. I think the way it shifted between the different locations was good. Like, you got enough was, of each. Yeah, it was almost like spending 20 minutes or half an hour on each of those stories. And again, it really way. felt like an uh, uh, event series yeah. in that way as well. The way, it, it, you know, it, it sort of felt like everyone got about a, a third of the film, each sort of location. I mean, some characters didn't get... As much screen time. Yeah. Which does suck, but I thought the screen it's time... It's unavoidable, they, right? Yeah, with, with so many characters, but I feel like the screen time that they did get was great. I mean, a lot of the times, some of the screen time they got was more action-orientated, but they were actually pretty good. So, in terms of this film just feeling busy, you know, like every film has plot points, has, uh, has sort of... Story beats, which are key things that need to happen that move the story forward. But usually they're sort of... Most story beats are usually expressed as a couple of different scenes. Where in this film, I found that every scene would introduce a story beat or an idea. And by the end of the scene, that beat was resolved and they were ready to move on. Yeah. Which to me felt very rushed. Whereas, again, in like a regular film, you'd have a couple of different scenes to sort of make it through that beat. Here it was, hey, this is coming, this is an issue... And, and end of that scene oh we're, we're done it's either Thanos has gotten what he wants or Thanos hasn't gotten what he wants but he's gotten something else I don't think it was rushed I think it was I yeah. well I but here's the thing I understand that given how much ground they had to cover yeah they couldn't it was always going to feel rushed so I'm not I don't mean that as, I'm just saying it felt rushed but I get that there's not what else can you do when you're dealing with that many characters and okay. that much story 
Um, should we pick up on, I guess, I want to talk about sort of all the characters. I mean, we don't want to... Well, it's not too hard given some of them only have like... A lot of them have, you know, not that many lines. But I figure it's probably better to talk about them in a way of... Yeah, sort of grouping them. Or do you want to talk about the deaths first? Yeah, we can. I mean, I feel like I'm not convinced the deaths are permanent. I think Loki... Okay, Loki, yes. Because I think Tom Hiddleston's done. Loki as Guardians and Heimdall. Yes, okay, I would agree. But again, that's because I'm pretty sure Idris, Idris Elba's too big to play like a side character in these films now. He's, you know, he's... I mean, it's not like Thomas Hiddleston doesn't want to do Loki anymore. I mean, because Loki is one of my favourite characters in the MCU. I know he's a favourite with a lot of people, but I'd rather Tom... Like, I, I'd rather that people sort of... Like, actors leave when they're ready to go rather yeah, than... and then rather than maybe like, come back. Rather than do a... Uh, what's the guy who's playing Bond? Daniel, like doing a Daniel Craig and like and looking like you really don't want to be there. Or Natalie Portman not wanting to be there. Yeah, exactly. Like, I'd prefer that the characters get killed off and the actors leave if they need to move you, you, on. You know what? I did like, though, that um, we were worried that some of the beats from the various films are going to get wiped away. And I think that happened. I don't think it that did. It 100% happened. Because the whole, the whole movie of Thor... Yeah. Ragnarok was about him accepting sort of I for me it was about him accepting leadership of Asgard yes. and accepting that he was going to do it differently from his dad and um and taking a different direction. At the end he's Asgard is destroyed but he's managed to save his people in the ship and they're now refugees. And then in here they're just dead. They're gone. That completely okay, yeah, to me did that. No, movie. no, but I don't no, no. That's undone. But the thing is it's not undoing the growth of no but i liked where but i think part of it i but i thought part of his growth for me was him becoming a a reluctant leader of his people and now they're all dead well we don't know how many we don't know that many i feel like some may have survived you know there's escape pods and shit like that i think they've done it deliberately ambiguous so that if they want to bring back as guardians they can and they don't but they don't have to look i fall with you I, but talk- I felt that it. I okay, well, I was. Felt that it I was talking more away. about Thor and Loki. Oh, their relationship. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, because we were expressing concern. I think it was last week's episode that Loki was going to take a heel turn, and he doesn't. He doesn't, and he tries to sort of save his brother. Yes, and is killed for it. Yes, I did very like, early in the film. Yeah, I did like the uh, "We Have a Hulk" line. Yeah, it was a light that was used in the film. It just felt very like... No, but that was a throwback to the other... Of we course, have of course. I love that. Yeah, uh, and look, maybe we'll get to that when we sort of... When we finish with character deaths and do the... Uh, talking about the action. But I did... I think Hulk was one of the few characters that actually had an arc in this film. Yeah. But again, I think his arc, the Bruce Banner Hulk arc, again, did undermine their arc in... Um, in Ragnarok. No. Because, well, Bruce Banner's concern was that if he goes back to Hulk, maybe Hulk will never want to leave. And then his arc in this, his arc in this film was the exact opposite, which is Bruce Banner now suddenly really wants Hulk to come out, but Hulk won't. Hulk. Yeah, because Hulk's scared. Of course. Because he got the beat down of a lot. Yeah, of course. And I really liked that. I liked that they were doing it, but it felt like a weird to come straight after Ragnarok. No, no, but I feel like it's an interesting, because like it's, I, 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 no, no, I feel like it's Banner talking to Hulk. I felt in that a vacuum. Dream. It's a great, it's a great story idea. But I just mean, just coming straight off, it just feels 
straight off where he, where they were at together in rag in Ragnarok. It feels like you needed some sort of arc in between. I don't. That's how I. Feel. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, all right. Well, so, do you want to talk about Thor then? Well, do we want to quickly talk about the character death in terms of all the characters that we lost when okay, so the, re, the, the half the universe was killed? Okay, so do you th- believe any of them are actually dead? No, I feel like they will come back because but, like the biggest character, the big characters. I feel like maybe a sacrifice might be needed to make. Yeah, for them to come back. Of course, I think which will probably be, be Cap. Yes, I would In all agree. honesty, I think it's going to be Cap. Not, no, not Iron Man. I don't think Iron Man... Will. Who do you reckon is more done with the franchise? Evans or Robert Downey Jr.? Evans. Okay. Yeah, because I guess Robert... It feels like Robert Downey Jr. just accepted that this is his paycheck now. That this is like his meal ticket for the rest of his life. Whereas Evans, it seems like he still wants to do some more... Like theatre and more... And for I lack of a better like word, it, serious acting. And I feel like Evans leaving will... Well, Cap leaving will leave it so that Falcon or Bucky could become Cap. Yes. Who would you prefer the Marvel Cinematic Universe? To Honestly, I don't know. Based on the comics, either because I really enjoyed Cap, Falcon as Cap, and I've really enjoyed Bucky as Cap as well. Yeah, I'm just thinking in terms of the act, like Mackie or I think what I'd like about Sebastian Stan playing Captain America is his Bucky is particularly sort of soft spoken and reluctant. So I like the idea of him being. Which Push is, in a position of leadership. Which is how he was in the comics yeah, as Cap as well. He was very like, when he was part of the Avengers as Cap, he's not really he a was leader. in command. Yeah, no. he's not at all leader. But, I mean, I'm, I'm Mackie's very charismatic and very energetic, so I'd be interested to see what he'd be like as Cap. Again, they'd, both of them would be very different to Evans in the way that they played it. I feel like Gamora's death, though. Oh, of course. I feel like that. that I, that's permanent. No, I don't think that's permanent. You don't reckon it's permanent? No, because she was killed in order to get the Soul Stone, right? Oh, uh, okay. So I you... feel like either she will return in that, or it will be a plot point for a Guardians film. Well, that she's dead or her coming back? Her coming back. Okay. Yeah, because I guess her death also felt like it was a vehicle for Peter's him... sort of heel, not heel term, but him becoming... Even more of a douchebag? Yeah. Um, uh, well, do we want to well, talk about say, the characters like, now? Who knows her, if her death means that she's actually trapped in the Soul Stone? Oh, okay. Yeah, maybe. Interesting. I guess... Because I mean, that's how it is in the comics. This is getting a bit metagamey, but honestly, it just depends on... Again, I wonder if Zoe Saldana is keen to leave the franchise. I don't think or... she is. She's never expressed that. Yeah, and I mean, she's done big films before. You know, I mean, she they, did Avatar before. So I, she's, I think everyone involved in Guardians is actually keen for the next film. Okay. In, well, I mean, it's done wonders for everyone's yeah, career. Yeah, well, with the exception of Bradley Cooper was doing all right before. but No, but I think everyone involved is actually loves being part of that franchise. Because, I mean, they, were, they did... Um, we talked about it on Guardians of the Galaxy 2 podcast episode. But they did this sort of, like, video clip for, like, one of the Guardians songs in the film. Oh, yeah. Was that the one and, that had David Hasselhoff in the video? Yeah, and then Zoe Saldana and... Um, I've forgotten what his name is. He plays Peter Quill. Chris oh. Pratt. Chris Pratt went around to film that. And they were like, what? You filmed it without us? And then they filmed parts of the scene to insert it for oh, wow. okay. later on. So like, I feel like they actually love making the films mm. and would be keen for more. And I think James Gunn would be a fun director to film with. Yes. Um, all right. So, well, so do we want to jump around and talk about some of the characters there? Okay, so cool. you mentioned Thor. 
Yeah, look, um, I feel like Thor is one of the MVPs for this film. I feel like... My MVP is my bladder, because I lasted the whole way. You're really obsessed with your bladder. It's kind of disturbing. Do you think MVP's most valued penis, in this case? Okay, so, I, I'm... Who's your most valued penis in this film, then? Well, clearly, clearly the Hulk. Okay. Oh, no, we don't even see him. Or his giant, presumably giant green penis. Alright, so, yeah... So you think Thor's an MVP? I would, I would tend to agree. He was one of the most. He probably, I think, got most screen time. Yeah, maybe I him mean, or Iron Man. Out of that, or sort Doctor of Strange, space, actually. Yeah, out of that sort of space arc. Yeah. Because uh, there was a couple of space arcs in this film. He was was the, he was the main character. Like his human, he was a mixture of old Thor, like from the first films, and the new Thor, as in like Taiki Waititi films yeah and it, but in a good way it's yes like i enjoyed the i enjoyed the uh i enjoyed the line about how he, he took made, root in college oh that i, I like that that was funny i like the line he said about how how uh he's like oh captain america have a beard like me yes or like you know that sort of like the See, sort of like i like the pop culture jokes but i also like the sort of comic book jokes that are sort of world-building jokes, as in like... Oh, like the ice blunt root in college, like yeah. that joke. Okay. It was an elective. Like, I like that. that was, that's hilarious. And I guess it builds a world in the sense it suggests that perhaps they are, you know, there's a whole race of Groot-like creatures out there. You speak Groot? I took it as an elective. Um, okay, I, speaking of Groot... Do you know... I, I feel like, okay... What do, what do you think of Groot? Teenage Groot? Look, Teenage Groot was great, but... I think he was the weakest... Uh, no, 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 I will. I will. I will agree that I feel like. Okay, look, I did have some qualms about this film, but if anything, they're not really bad calm, calm qualms yeah. compared to other films like when we actually hate on like Dark World type shit. Ooh, um, getting PTSD. Um, like I feel like, not that he was underused, but he was Groot was great, and he it made him step up, but he was more of a plot device if anything yeah, for sure but I mean I think part of it was and maybe part of the reason that he was teenage Groot in this film is that his sort of attitude and the fact he's a teenager not really wanting to be involved means that that he's not doing a lot of things so because Groot has a potential to be overpowered yeah, 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 yeah like yeah, yeah. He has that a, was great he has a potential to be overpowered so the fact that he was like a snotty nosed brat means that when he's not helping out in certain scenarios you're like well of course he's not he's a he's a Brady teenager. Yeah. Although that scene with him, I am Groot. I am Steve Rogers. That's fucking hilarious. I, I have been laughing about really, that all week. I, it, I don't know that. Uh, it's cute and fucking hilarious. A lot I'm of the sorry. humor didn't didn't hit in this film for me, and I think part of it was because tonally, when like plot stuff was happening, it was really dark and serious. Mm. And then they just cut and, you know, there'd be like someone doing a funny line. Yeah, just, well, look, felt... I honestly don't think the film, the humour was forced, if anything. You don't feel it was forced? No. Interesting. Well, okay. Well, I mean, it's uh, so part of the franchise now, they can't not have jokes. Yeah. Um, continuing with that space area. Yeah. So I loved... So Rocket. we're talking specifically I, that uh, I was like, talk when about they, they go on the weapon, yeah, Thor's yeah. axe quest. Yeah, I was talking. I was going to talk about Rocket, and I feel like Rocket's really grown as well. He's not the douchebag that he was. He's sort of yeah. I, I he still has his things. Like there's the eye, and he's obsessed. Oh, with... that's another. Okay, so that plays to my point of 
them undoing what happened in the previous Thor film. Like Thor literally loses the eye patch and and the um. I w- look. I will agree. And gets was... a new eye. I liked him with an eye patch. Yeah, same. I was surprised about that, um, but it was hilarious that he kept it in his ass. <laughs> Yeah, that, but that, I don't know, that line to me was like, okay, like, no, look, I liked Rocket in this, um, what did you, okay, so this is something that I, I think, but I have no evidence for it, so I'm keen to think, the conversation, he, I think Rocket was animated differently in this film, because he looked different, yeah, he did look a little bit different, I noticed that, and I didn't like it, Uh, I, I didn't, he didn't, phase me as such, and maybe, I wonder, maybe part of it is that we've talked before about how a huge, what takes up a huge budget of the Iron Man film is is uh, animating the Iron Man suit. So I wonder if part of it is perhaps the budget to animate things was mm. split across so many different characters that all require a lot of a big animation budget, and perhaps they had to make changes to Rocket's appearance. Yeah, like that. Did, but this well, is just speculation. I, I did see some DC fanboys complain about um, the uh, CG for Caps for, oh for, Iron, for Iron Man's um, outfit. Oh. Yes, and there was a bit near the end where Ruffalo, Mark Ruffalo, uh, Bruce Banner is standing in the Hulkbuster armor. Yeah. And it looked real rough. I can't remember that. It was him, but like, we talked about this before, how whenever it's someone in like Iron Man armor but, and there's like the heads yeah, exposed, yeah, yeah. Out, it doesn't look great. This was that by times about five, it was real rough. Okay. Um, yeah, but, so, yeah, look, so you liked that, uh, that Rocket is sort of a bit more, more tolerable mature. now. Yeah. Um, and then Groot sort of took his place as the as the jerk. Then, yeah, I also sense. like how he was having the conversation that he was having with Yondu that you thought we both thought felt forced. He was having that conversation with Thor, In, uh, and it wasn't as forced. Okay, so do you think that that conversation with Yondu then maybe like was more preemptive than we gave it credit for? Is it? No, no, what I'm saying is this: the conversation between him and Thor was a better conversation okay, than, than that. Yeah. sort of him and Yondu. I love um, his obsession, his still obsession with body parts has continued. Yes. With being obsessed with uh, Bucky's arm. Which I think was good. Like, yeah. I enjoyed that. I and enjoyed then him, thing. and then Bucky grabbing him and using him to shoot that. I like that a lot. Yeah, I just, yeah, I, I guess... I, and as happens in the comic book events, a lot of the time the interactions certain characters have, because you've got so many characters, will, remind, will just be like them fighting together in an interesting way. And that's what their interaction rem- was. Yeah, I mean, it reminded me of the prison scene, because I'm pretty sure Groot grabs Rocket. Rocket, yeah, and that, you know what, that sounds about right. Yeah. Interesting. All right, well, shall we move on? Oh, unless you want to talk about Peter Dinklage's character. Yes, that was a surprise. I did not know Peter Dinklage was going to be. Yeah, I'd forgotten the Dink was in this. That's my new name. I'm going to try and push for Peter Dinklage, the Dink. The Dink. Uh, I. Do you think he has the Dink? Dink. I feel like that's a bit off topic. Okay. You know, I think he's a personality guy. Like he just seems like a cool guy to hang out. I with. was talking about his personality. I don't know what you were talking about. <laughs> um, what did you think of his performance? It was a little like. I mean, how much character can you bring it was to this a, No, no, no. Look, it, it wasn't... Was a, a, I didn't it was a, a great No, no, no. It was a bit hammy, but I liked it. Yeah. It did remind me of the actual, like, sort of dwarves and stuff in Lord of the Rings, though. It did feel a bit like that. I liked that he was huge. I yeah. enjoyed that. It didn't feel... He did, Let's just say, if, he, if that portrayal was in a Thor film, it wouldn't have felt out of place. Um, and I don't think it felt out of place here, given that it's, like... Okay. The place where... 
the weapons are made as such. I'm just going to throw this out. I haven't really enjoyed Peter Dinklage in anything but Game of Thrones, and I think it's really I think it's the actor nightmare where he's so Have born you... to play Tyrion. Like it feels like he's able to put so much of his Can himself you... into the role of of was... Tyrion that I just can't see him as anything else. So he whenever I see him in another role, I struggle. He was in. X-Men Days of Future Past. Yeah, which I liked, but uh, he was in another film. It was in a, it was a black comedy. It was... Um... A Death at a Funeral? Yeah. Actually, he was good in that. But that's before I'd seen Game of Thrones. So okay. I wonder if I saw it now, if all I'd think is Tyrion's being weird. Okay. No, I really enjoyed him in Death at a Funeral. Yeah, actually, that whole movie is great. Um, I kind of enjoyed him uh, in... I'm trying to think of the film. It came out late last year. Um... Something billboards. Oh, three billboards over Ebbing, Missouri? Yes. Was he in that? that? Yeah, he's in that for a little bit. Um, I can't remember. It's been a while since I've seen that film, so I can't remember if I enjoyed the performance or not. But, yeah, no, look, I liked it. Him being the... uh, I mean... I just... It was interesting. I guess I feel like that role would be better done by maybe like a low-key character actor. It just felt like they might have been casting for star power rather than... Well, I don't know if they were because I didn't even know about that. It wasn't really advertised that he was going to be in. Wasn't it? I thought they might have mentioned that he was, but I I might have made that up. Yeah. Like, I might have just thought that I'd heard that he was in the film. Um, All right, so do we, shall we move on to maybe the the Avengers on Titan? Okay. So there were some guess, Avengers, some Guardians. Okay, well then I guess we talk about it in regards to sort of Doc Strange, Wong, yeah. and Spidey. Um, uh, so I was... In, Doc Strange was one of... I, I actually think, along with Thor, was the MVP of this film. Yeah, I really enjoyed Doctor Strange. This is He was much... They did a much better job of him in this than his own film, I think. Yeah, I and also, it's what I think it's what we discussed, or what I mentioned in Thor, in that I feel like his character has improved with each viewing, like, with each new interaction. So, mm. like, he was better as Doctor Strange in Thor... Then in Doctor Strange, and now in this, he's a better Doctor Strange. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, oh, like the, like as in in universe, the character's getting better at doing his job. Well, that and also actor playing the character. They're just finding the character. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the standout sort of, and a lot of the, like I think Thor's a little bit like this as well. Is a lot of these sort of, there's sort of for lack of a better word, B-Marvel characters, they do really well and are defined by the way they interact with others. And Doctor Strange is a million times better when he's interacting with other Avengers, when he's belittling them, when uh, he's clashing yeah. because he sort of has this big... Well, yeah, univer- I mean, he's... he's got like a really big picture view that clashes with their sort of small picture view. Yeah, I mean, he's essentially his magic Tony Stark. So it, was, it, was, it was fun to see Tony Stark talk up against Tony Stark... Yeah, I think what I enjoyed about his character, and to me what made him... I think why I was able to handle his assholiness is that he makes it clear that the stakes he deals with are bigger. Yeah. Uh, like, when he talks about the fact that, like, he's, he wouldn't hesitate to let them die if it means saving the stone. Yeah. Because, like, what's two lives compared to the universe? And I like that he, I like that he's that guy. Yeah. And I like that when he disappears near the end, you know, at the end of the film, he's one of the people that gets destroyed when Thanos units a gauntlet. I like that he, at that point, he's almost become like a sort of mentor, sort of wise man sort of role. I have a theory about that. Where this is a, is it that this is a, the only scenario where they win? Yes. Yeah, that's, I've, I think that's, like, yeah. 
But I, I like that as he's disappearing, Tony Stark sort of realizes that he wishes he could have his guidance still. So I kind well, of I like, feel like that. Well, I like Wong won't still be around. We don't know. That's true. It would be I, cool. I it felt very mechanical. I guess I get why they did it, but it felt very mechanical that as soon as like Doctor Strange disappeared, Wong was like, "Well, I better go back to the Sanctum. You no, can't, you can't take me on this on this quest." Yeah. Oh, no, I no, I get that. I get but that. Like, but I think well, like. I enjoyed watching Wong and Doctor Strange fight together, and it made it clear that together they sort of a, they're insanely powerful. I like how him and Tony Stark bickering was, I uh, it was, yeah. I was it everything it. you wanted it, what you wanted it to be? Yeah, a bit like you know, Tony Stark mentioning Ben and Jerry's have an ice cream. Oh, after him. Yeah, yeah. And then Doctor Strange saying, "Yeah, it was a bit chalky." That <laughs> that was great. Um. Okay, so so Doctor Strange, shall we move on to Spider Man then? Um, yeah. He no no because I was gonna I was oh, gonna say yeah what you were gonna say I really enjoyed Spidey in this but I was gonna leave him to last because you know you leave the best thing for last in that thing but it's fine we can talk about Spidey I thought he was another MVP. Um, I I don't agree in terms of like to me he wasn't I think he it felt like he was there to just be another element in combat. Yeah. And to throw out okay. quips rather than I actually drive the story. This is what I've discussed before. Um, I feel like Spidey, even in this, is the Spidey From that the... has we've always wanting to see. Like very sort of street level. No, yeah, but also like even in the comics. Like so, I mean, when he was when they were fighting Thanos, like the first thing Spidey does is like fucking throw a web blast at Thanos's face. Yes, which is the throwback to the comic as well, Infinity Gauntlet. But even what Spidey does, like, you know, trying to catch all the Guardians. Like, yeah. He's clearly, like, he webs, come, he webs Mantis and there, lets it drop a little bit. And then he's goes very, so and I, little, I, oops. I noticed this in the Forgot New York. Forgot your name, blah, blah, blah. In the New York scenes as well, really kinetic. That yeah. They really pushed, like, he's moving around a lot. Whenever he's on screen, he's always moving. Which, which I think is yeah. in line with the character. Yeah. Um, his fading away scene broke me. Okay, did you cry? Yes, I did. I just had a I just had a friend message me and said they cried during that part. And I I'm going to be honest, I didn't really feel much. So now I'm That's wondering if I need have, to take a test or something. You have no feelings. I think it's just you because you are like the vision. Yeah, I think I think maybe why it didn't affect me was it because Tom Holland's new to the franchise. They've only just got Spider-Man. There's no way he's dead. He's coming back. Yeah, I know. That. Unless, I know so, that. unless Sony is like, all right, we want him no, back. No, no, no. He will look. I mean, I'm pretty sure he's going to be coming. But that whole, that bit. Because look, I'm a big Spidey fan. Yeah, and the me. fear that he had when he disappeared. I get it. It's yeah, compelling. don't let me go. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's like, yeah. And that really made Tony, like, feel... Like shit. Feel shit, yeah. Yeah. Which he, I mean... Like he's failed, Peter. Uh, so... Do you do want to talk about Iron Man? Yeah. I, I didn't like the armor. Oh, really? You didn't I, like it? I get functionally... I was off, off and, I was half and half. I think we mentioned... I'm sure it's we've called, talked about... I think it's called Bleeding Edge armor or something. I know that like in the comics now for a while he's had the nano armor. Yeah. But I think we've talked about this in the previous Iron Man episodes. Is part of the joy about the Iron Man films is the way that you slowly get to watch his tech upgrade. Yeah, but and this the big... one didn't like you didn't. It was didn't a see... huge. It was a huge jump, right? Yeah, you didn't see the progression. Because remember, in like Iron Man three, it was a big deal that his armor could track him, mm. like that his armor could fly to it him. It almost felt like this was like this too much. What's the um, 
What's the the plot device of the third film? The uh, Extremis? Yeah, it was almost like this was his stuff and Extremis mixed together. I like and then he said it was nanotech. I get why they did it, be, you know, and throughout the film he's the suit sort of morphs and stuff, but it just I just think it was too much. Too much of a technology jump it from did, where he was. Look, I mean, I, I was going to say, I had a plot, I had a thing to write, I wrote down about this. It did feel very comic-y. Too, I mean, and I think just a little bit too much. Okay. Alright. Did you, okay, when he got stabbed, yep. did you think he was going to die? I think I, you know what? I think that might have shocked me. me a little bit, but yeah. maybe at this point I'm just lying, so I don't seem like a sociopath. No, 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 no. I actually thought he was going to die. Yeah, I did, well. I did. I did too, because in terms of like, he's one of the older hats. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's, you know, it's probably cost Marvel a bajillion dollars to get him in these films. So from a financial perspective, why not kill him off? Um, okay. So do we want to... I, I was going to say, did you want to talk about the rest of the Guardians? Well, I feel like the only person who was significantly different in this film was Peter Quill, and he was a piece of shit. Yeah, okay, but do you want to talk about how... Like, this is someone else, another director, directing yeah. the Guardians. I felt like... It didn't have the personality. I think this... I thought it did. I thought it felt like... They pl- they played like a song and they were singing to the to a song. No, no, so no, I guess no, that's no. kind okay. of the Guardian's personality. Okay, no, come on. Like, <laughs> Drax pretending that he's invisible. Like... Oh, yeah, that's fair, actually. I'd forgotten about that moment. Yeah, that, that felt very in it, line with the James Gunn humor. Yeah, it felt like... It was almost like they'd gotten James Gunn in to direct the Guardian's part. I did like that. The when we first initially met the Guardians, I felt that way. But when they were in with everyone else, they just felt like everyone else. Okay. Well, what if, uh, but look, look Star Lord, I, I didn't like. I didn't like his character arc for this. He feels like he's he hasn't grown. He's just become. 100%. He's still he's still the immature child. Yeah. And I mean, even like Tony throwing shade at him by you know calling him Flash Gordon. Yeah, and he, which that was, I did enjoy those exchanges where. Yeah, where his uh, Peter Quill's pop culture references are so far back that he thinks that the references to the these comparisons to these old things are like meant to be uh, flattering when they're not meant to be. Yeah, which exactly. was uh, um, funny. But, but no, but, look, I mean, we need. I, I guess you needed that. Sort well, of you needed fuck a, up. you needed someone to let the team down, right? Yeah. But did you you know when they when they have Thanos on the ropes? Yeah. To to me, it was fairly obvious that Quill was going to fuck it up. Did yeah. you feel that way? Yeah. Yes and no. I wasn't sure. I, like at that point. Really. Because I mean, we weren't sure if this was going to be a second part film. Yeah. That's the thing. Which I'm sure is deliberate. Yeah. But my, I guess my concern is it became fairly clear to me during this film that like when, when look, he when was going to get the stones. Yeah. Like when Nebula arrived, and it was like she meant as soon as she mentioned, where's Gamora? Because isn't it that it? Nebula asks, where's Gamora? Or does he ask? Or is it Peter Quill that asks, where's Gamora? Yeah, I think... I, I think Peter Quill asks... And I think Nebula already has figured it out, what's happened. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, as soon as that clicked, I'm like, okay, yeah. Yeah, Thanos is going to get free. Yeah. I guess... I was mentioning this to someone who I sat next to in the film, who for them, him getting all the stones was a complete surprise... And as we talked about last week, it's the Chekhov's gun principle. They're not going to introduce the, the Infinity Gauntlet if he's not going to get all the gems. True. I And I did struggle with the fact that every scene when it was ever the defender, the Avengers defending a gem, I knew Thanos was either going to get the gem or he was, you know, or in two scenes' time he was going to. And that made it hard for me to feel surprised. Um, 
Gamora in this. Mm. I and Nebula. I mean, I want to talk about both of them. Yeah. I felt like I really enjoyed both their portrayals. I really love Nebula as a character. Every time I see really? her... Yeah, really? No, look, every, no, every, she's getting better. In yeah, the... that's what I mean. Every time she's in a film, she's getting better and better. I think like, Karen we... Gillian's becoming a better actress at playing her. But we also talked about this in Guardians too. Like, Gamora and, Gamora and Nebula are one of the only kind of good things about that film. Guardians. Did we? Yeah, yeah, we mentioned that. Oh, did, okay. Because their story is one of the... Oh story. yes, in terms of because I remember we talked about how the story is sort of about family and father and sons, but the only really interesting yeah, relationship is theirs. Um, this is a side note. I don't think it does, but did did you did this movie pass the Bechdel test? I don't think it does. I think it might. I'm not sure. I'll have to double check. The only moment I can think of is when Scarlet Witch is down and and uh, Black Widow appears, and then. Then the the fighty lady's like, oh, you can't take me. And Black Widow's like, I don't have to do it alone. And then, um, it, uh, is it a uh, a okay? Uh, Black Panther's chief guard comes and they start fighting the the alien lady remember. together. But that admittedly was a very vague way of explaining that. Honestly, I think it hasn't passed Bechdel test because I mean they they talk about Thanos. Yeah. So uh, I mean, look, I mean, I'm sure. Once the film has been watched a couple of times and maybe it's been people, released on Blu-ray, maybe the opinions will change. Yeah, but... and like there'll be a scene. And I do find that funny, given like so many characters. And this is film—is it this film eighteen or nineteen? And I think we've had like under One or th- two. I think we might have had like two and a half tops that passed the Bechdel test. Okay. So I look. There's going to be a Captain Marvel film. There's Ant Man and Wasp. Bring on more female characters and just like could we just have a fifty percent? Bechdel test passing rate. I mean, I think that's a that that's like a, a achievable goal. Yeah. Um, look, I back to sort of Gamora. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed her in this arc. Yeah, I, I to me, like I didn't really notice a, a change from previous. I think her arc was certainly more important, and maybe and that is good that they. I mean, that it, it felt more about her than Peter. Yeah, I know, and I mean the relationship. I mean, it shows. The sort of, I guess, improvement of the relationship between her and Nebula. I mean, she's willing to mm. do anything to s- save her sister. Yeah, and it was nice because that, that that wasn't undone from Guardians 2. Yeah, exactly. Because I guess that was the biggest part of that film was the fact that their relationship got to be repaired. Yeah. Um, speaking of, like, that whole space sort of arc in which yeah. she gets kidnapped, that bit, I think I've mentioned it before to you, that bit was sort of... the part that got spoiled for me um in that i saw a trailer but i didn't realize until halfway through it wasn't a trailer it was a clip um and it was Uh, them was it a leaked clip or a marvel released clip um i think it was a leaked clip so it was the guardians getting up to nowhere and walking into the the, um collector's lair yeah and then thanos sort of revealing himself yeah but it was more thanos putting his leg his foot on the collector um, the trailer and the clip I saw was made out made it out to be that he essentially pushes down onto the collector with his foot and kills him. Whereas we didn't even get that in this. It was very much like um, he was still threatening the collector and pushes him away, sort of thing. Yeah, I, I, I think that's 
Honestly, just, because, honestly, because we didn't see a body, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to say this is the collector still alive. I just don't care what happens to the collector, to be honest. I well, just think he's such made, a... it was apparently made canon that him and the game... Yeah, the... the Grandmaster are brothers. Yeah, which makes cool. sense, because both of them live... I, I think it's been hinted that both of them live quite a long time. Yeah. Hence why they're sort of powerful in their, in their prospective domains, is because they're not immortal, but clearly have long lives. Mm. I've, and that, that scene in Nowhere... I uh, was the... one of me- it just felt like it was one of many scenes that made the heroes feel really powerless because they pretty much show up and Thanos is either easily takes an Infinity I'm... Stone or has already got an Infinity Stone. I like stone. how the Reality Stone is used better in this film than the film that had the Reality Stone for the entire arc. Was that which was Thor: Dark World? Oh yeah, of course, because it was the Ether. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense. The, the, the effort was around yeah I would agree I, I would completely agree they, they used that well especially in comparison to how it was used in Full Dark World well do we want to move to the uh, to Earth. our final location which is Wakanda yeah on Earth Wakanda on Earth um, okay so where pretty much everyone else was yes um, I mean we've, I feel like we've already talked about Hulk which is that he's, yeah. not, he's not coming out and he's no. scared because Thanos kicked his ass yeah and um I don't know. Uh, that I would have liked more of an interaction between uh, Banner and um, Natasha, like Scarlet Witch, but yes. they didn't. They didn't sort of put any of that. Yeah. Well, they pretty much acknowledge that he's. She acknowledges that he's back, and that like they see each other, and that is literally the extent of their interaction. See, there was more. It looked. It made out like the released pictures that they normally show mm. for a film before it comes out. Had her, um, War Machine and Banner, um, sort of, in the three of them in a lab discussing things. I'm curious if some of the promo stuff that was released for this film is actually stuff for the next film. Interesting. Because we might like, do you reckon, get more... Do you reckon they just filmed, like, a whole shit ton of scenes? And, like, do you reckon they filmed both, both films at the same time? Yeah, well, they, they, they did say that. Did they? Yeah, I'm pretty sure these films have been Interesting. filmed almost back-to-back. Um, I'd like. I probably wouldn't put it past that they might have that discussion in the next film. Yeah, I, I, my guess is maybe why it didn't happen in this film, or maybe they wanted they to and had to cut it, was because they had. Much, yeah, they didn't really have room for B plots. They only really like for subplots. They only really had room for plot, like for for the main plot and any sort of little details that fed into that, such yeah. as. Vision and Scarlet Witch's relationship, which is last time they were looking at each other, sort of in funny, and now they're fucking apparently. Yes. Like big jump. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've said this; it's a big jump. Like, but everyone knew it was going to happen. Yeah. Uh, I mean, every what well, everyone who sort of reads the comics. Knows. No, they're like a legendary comic book pair. Yeah. Um. I don't know. I just felt with that. That was one of my gripes. It's like I enjoyed Scarlet Witch more than Vision. Really. Yeah. I enjoyed them both e- equally. Like, they weren't my favourite part of the film. No, but, but I feel like, you know, like... Almost like... I mean, even though he was... Vision was either being beaten up by the Black Order... Yes. Or on the operating table, and that's it. He was... In terms of, like, him and... Like, because in previous films... And in Civil War as well, part of the point... Part of sort of something that film was the fact that he's so powerful yeah. that really Scarlet which is the only one that can really take get rid of him mm. whereas in this film everyone was kicking his ass yeah exactly yeah that's, um, that's a fair point the inconsistency 
But you always get this in superhero stories, the inconsistency in powers. Um, yeah, no, look, I really enjoyed Scarlet Witch. I think she grew more as a character in this film. Yeah, I would say she was better. Yeah. I, I, especially because, again, her, she, actually had, she actually had an arc in this film, which and is I, kind of accepting that she was potentially going to have to kill yeah, the I person she loved. Yeah, I believe as well. I believe the torment she had when she was having to kill yeah. Vision. Which, of course, was undone by the, uh, by the Time Stone. But the Time Stone, straight away. But of, of course. Um, um, okay, what did you think? Well, okay, I feel like Cap... He, he's in combat and that's about it, right? Yeah, Cap didn't get much. I and mean, again... When he appears, that's like... Oh, fuck yeah. And again, they really... Un- I would have liked to see some him doing some Secret Avengers operations. Yeah, it would have been cool to see all that. I, I mean, mean... It just felt like... And I mean, I think we've talked about this before that... The Sokovia Accord stuff is sort of referenced in other films, but it never it doesn't play a significant role in any of the other films. I feel like we're going to get more of Cap in the next film. I, I would agree, especially if he's going to die. My guess is he'll have. I mean, arc. Cap's the internal sort of like rallying cry. He's Captain America, but in in this, he's literally just like. And he, he kind of is a little I, bit in this, but I feel like he's going to be have to be oh, more no. so in the next one because I mean. Half the universe is... Although I felt he wasn't that at all in this. Like, I felt like... And this was... When you've got this many characters, is most characters were just their power sets rather than the personality. And Cap, um, I think, was the was an example of that. Like, apart from sort of the fact that he, of course, has that talk about how we don't trade lives, which mm. sort of sets the Avengers up, you know, to fail because they're unwilling to make the sacrifices needed to defeat Thanos... Apart from that, he's just he's just sort of a, a dude in combat. We yeah, don't I get mean, to I'm, see we, any of his sort of moral grit that make the you know Captain America Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War so compelling. Well, that's the thing. I mean, we talked about Bucky. I mean, I, so I think the same thing happens with Falcon. Like, we only get to see more of them in combat. Yeah. They're just shooting things or... Um, I mean, I feel like that, Scarlet Witch is similar. Yeah. She, I mean, she's got a little bit more, but you're right. She's mainly, like... She's usually brought in when they needed to use her powers to destroy something. And um, same with, like, what does Black Widow do? Like, can you remember a single line Black Widow says? Um, yeah, the bit in the train station where, like, you know, we won't kill you, but... We won't kill you, but we will if we have to, sort of oh, thing. Oh, okay. Um, and even the, the bit where Scarlet Witch kills uh, Proxima Midnight and... The, like some of her blood goes on Black Widow and Black Widow was like that's disgusting oh yes okay no there you go I guess my point in that was it for yeah. me she was again just a combat tool there wasn't really we didn't really get to explore her personality this thing the film is very much a war film and I and I think that I guess is part of some of my issues with it is the fact that these what is interesting is about superheroes as a way that personality interacts with powers and here we just get the powers for the most part for most characters I feel like we will see more of her in the next film as well more talking look, here's, here's hoping well look uh, Billy shall we move on to some of the easter eggs you wanted to point no, out no oh, I just wanted to touch on um, some other things with, like we didn't mention the Wakandans but I, I guess that's what we discussed like, I, I guess few... can we mentioned before that well I certainly was concerned that we were going to get such a watered down version compared to what we got in the film well this I don't think we got we didn't get much is how well, we felt. didn't get much but it wasn't watered down like as in like yeah you were worried about the technology kind of, being yeah, te- not reflective of how it was in the film yeah which, which it, it was they had the beads and they yeah had, but and like it looked like Wakanda from the previous yes um 
but yeah, what you saw in Black Panther in the trailer, I guess, it's probably just a little bit more, if anything, and that's it. Yeah, I would... Even Mbaku doesn't get much speaking time. Does he say... Oh, I, I think, think it's like... It's like uh, a war cry. Yeah, a war cry, and I think he maybe talked to Black Panther and said, oh, you asked me to come, I've come, don't worry about it, sort of thing. I mean, even Shuri doesn't get much, and Akoya... Yeah. It's similar, it's more battle cry stuff. Again, it's just... And, I mean, Wakanda to me just felt like a big battlefield rather than the, the sort of the interesting and complex place it was in, okay. in Black Panther. Theory for the... Before we move on, yep. theory for the next film. For the, yeah, Avengers Infinity think, War Part 2 or whatever it'll be called. Yeah, do you think Shuri will take up the mantle of the Black Panther? I don't think so. Or I, M'Baku? Oh, why... Oh, why? Because of course, yeah, T'Challa was killed. T'Challa was faded away. I don't. I don't think anyone will take up the mantle. Well, someone has to be king. Oh, you know what? I don't think we're going to see enough of Wakanda in the next film for them to to do that. That's my opinion. I feel like it might be either Shuri or Mbaku. I like the idea of one of them, mm. and I th- I think it'll probably be would be Shuri. Yeah, I think it would keep in in house. Um, all right. Well, let's go into some of the Easter eggs yeah. that I've mentioned. Um, okay. And I'm honestly surprised you're able to pick some up, given how much of this film there was. Okay, well, obviously in the titles, they changed Marvel Studios to Marvel Studios. It's still Marvel Studios, but it had 10 in the title. Oh, yeah, of course, because it's 10, 10 years. Minutes. Yeah, yep. 10 years. Um, we already mentioned it, but the We Have a Hulk joke. Yeah, of course, they throw back to the first Avengers, when uh, when Loki gets uh, beaten up by, uh, by the Hulk. Um, the Cauldron of Cosmos... That oh yeah, the, that vase that, um, the, that yeah, Tony that Stark Tony knocked. Stark was leaning on. That's an actual thing, and it's what Doctor Strange uses sort of to like you know meditate and look through the universe and time sort of thing. Okay. It's almost like you know a cauldron that you would see in like a like tower a witch's where a cauldron, witch, or something. witch's cauldron where she look, used to spy on things. Um, Rocket's interest in. I've already mentioned this, but Rocket's interest in Winter Soldier's arm. Yeah, that was a... obsession with body parts. That was it. That, I'm glad that they continued that joke. Yeah. That they were like, oh, of course he's going to say something about Bucky's arm. Yeah. Um, the planet that the Soulstone was on, for me, yep. that's part of the Kree Empire. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Um, I did not... Yeah, I did not realise that. So, Tobias Funk. So, Billy, it was from Arrested Development, and it's actually pronounced Funke. Funke. Yes. Right, Funke, do you... So he, he's um, in the collector's collection, mm-hmm. um, in full blue man Amazing. Um, and yeah. like, what is he in, like a Mylar bag or just in one of those like tubes? One of the tubes. Um, that's, wait, how long is it on screen for then? Because I'm, I'm just annoyed at myself that I didn't see it. Um, it's is it fairly quick? Fairly quick. Okay. So yeah, um, the, so when Thanos uses the Infinity Stone, Finley Gauntlet yep. to attack the Drax and Mantis. Like and in- turns him into like a, like a streamers <laughs> and a statue. Yeah, as you or as you told me off mic, art pieces. That's right. <laughs> Postmodern art pieces. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's in the comic as well. Like he actually uses he breaks people down uh, and stuff. In the Thanos Quest or Infinity Both. It's not Infinity, well, sorry, Infinity in, Gauntlet. More in Infinity Gauntlet, but in Thanos Quest he does that as well. Um, obviously the snap of the fingers. Um, so Thor's new hammer, Stormbreaker. Is it a hammer or an axe? Hammer with axe on the end. Oh, it's which both. reminds me of 
Ultimate Thor, Ultimate Universe's Thor's hammer, but then it's also got the name of Better Ray Bill's hammer. Okay. Um, Doctor Strange's torture scene with... I'm trying to remember with this. The, uh, with weird space withered dude. Yeah, I think it's Ebony Moore. <laughs> his name? <laughs> Don't you reckon that... Uh, Ebony Moore just sounds like someone from... Uh, uh, like a teenage goth band or anything yes. like band. Um, yeah, well, it reminds me of the, him torturing Doctor Strange in the Infinity um, event The Jonathan Hickman 2013 one. Yeah. Um, then there's Captain America and Black Panther. There's a scene in this where they're standing next to each other in sort of like a glass-on-looking Wakanda. And that's sort of like a almost a throwback to... Ah, the end of... um, Civil War. Is it Civil War? Yeah, Yeah, Civil Civil War when they put Bucky on ice. Um, The other thing is, I've sort of mentioned before, when Doctor Strange attacks um, Thanos. Yeah. There's the way he does the weird, like, sort of whips and, like, entangling him. That's the Crimson Bands of Kryptorak. It's called. It's it's a... a, Yes, those magic whips. Magic whips. Um, Then there's also, like, the images of a con, which is where... um, Doctor Strange kind of uses some of the Mirrorverse and then makes multiple versions of himself. Yeah, which is one of the more exciting, I think, parts of that fight with when Doctor Strange did some, some freaky magics. Yeah, it kind of remind me of, like, in video games where you have to, like... Where, like, an enemy does, like, an illusion trick and you yeah. have to, like, figure out which it, which is the real enemy. Yeah. Um, there was the Red Skull mentioning Thanos' dad by name, Alars, which was interesting. I didn't think he would do that. Okay, is that a, is Alars in the comics? Or? Yes, he is. He's in the comics. Um, and then there was the Nebula, like to the torture scene. I've mentioned it before, but in the comics, she was sort of stuck in this half dead, half alive state. But in this, she's like sort of being taken apart. apart yeah, because she's half robotic. Yeah, um, but yeah, that was it. The one thing I forgot to mention. Did you want to talk about at all the Black Order? Yeah, I, I guess I don't know how much there is to say because they're kind of just generic thug villains. Yeah, um, one thing I did like about them, like a lot of the times we've discussed this, when something is taken from the comics and pushed onto the screen, it can look a bit shit mm. um, if they don't do their own interpretation. But for this, it actually didn't look that bad. Like it, it looked exactly like it was from the comics. Yeah, but I mean, they were CGI heavy, yeah. but yeah, the actual designs... Yeah, I but think even up close, it looked like a movie version of it. Like, in the comics, Proxima Midnight's sort of mask is like almost a horn, but in this, in the movie verse, it was an actual bone and horn type thing. Okay. Yeah, no, like, I really enjoyed it. I thought they were pretty cool as fucks. Yeah, Almost. like, I, visually they were all distinct, which was nice. Okay, well, do we want to talk about... Your favourite part oh, of the Stan Watch. Stan Watch. He's a bus driver. End segment. End segment. No, like, that's... I mean, I I think I've said before that the better Stanley cameos are when they sort of lean off the fact that he looks like like all old white dudes look the same. So, and they, so I feel like that bus driver could have been played by any old white dude, but it's funny that it's Stanley, I guess. Mm-hmm. All right, well, okay. do we want to talk about, then, the after-credit stinger? Yes. Um, yeah, so let's talk about that after-credit stinger. We only got one this time. Yes, uh, I think that was sort of the beverity of the, uh, I don't know, the movie. They didn't want to do one straight away. Yeah, and I guess because, I mean, in the final stinger, I think they sort of... 
like gave away as much as they could because clearly they're probably going to keep like we don't even know if it's one other movie and when it's coming out or if mm. there's multiple movies so clearly they, they don't want to they want to keep it pretty close to the chest yeah so what it is is like Nick Fury and Maria Hill yeah, driving around New York uh, just after Thanos or as Thanos is destroying you know half of the, the universe. universe population and so you know they they see which you know not many people realise people are sort of like you know flying a ship or a helicopter or using machines. Yeah, if, if half of the people disappear, then a whole bunch of basically cars are going to crash into each other and, like, shit's going to go wrong. Yeah. Um, and so that's happening with them. And then Maria Hill starts to disappear. And then Nick Fury quickly runs to his car and grabs something out of his bag. Some sort of, yeah, super pager from the, come from the 90s. Yes. Which I guess makes, makes sense <laughs> given the person he calls on it. The yeah. movie is based in the 90s. Yeah, so he presses it and as he presses it he starts disappearing and says, you know, motherfucker. In, in a homage to his entire career. Yes. Yeah. Um, and as you see, the sort of post-credit ends looking at the pager and it's like sending, sending and then it's like completed its mission of sending something and it pops up with the logo of Captain Marvel. Which is kind of ballsy, given that, like, no one who hasn't had experience with the comics off Wouldn't the cuff is going to know that. I mean, everyone, you know, it'd be pretty easy to Google it afterwards and find I... out what it was, but it's interesting that they decided to do that. I think it was Hawkeye. <laughs> it's like, why would Nick Fury be ah. messaging Hawkeye? For a minute there, because I'm an idiot, I thought it was, like, the Nova Corps, but I'm yeah. like, oh, no, it's Captain Marvel because of the, yeah. of course, the distinct red and blue. I think someone else... I heard someone else message them and say like yeah while in the cinema say yeah they thought it was Nova as well I'm like no it's not um well why don't we go on now to our uh, our last segment for today for the and you know for the for this episode and for this for our look at the uh this wave of MCU movies uh if you like this read this yeah so in this we'd like to talk about comic books that we think you should read or that you you probably enjoyed yeah if you enjoyed this film because Disney doesn't always... Doesn't always. I don't really ever make a concerted effort to try and get people back into the... in You know, funnel people from here into the comics. Exactly. Um, so my suggestion is Thanos Quest. I've talked about it in mm. the comic. And also the Infinity Gauntlet. I feel like they're, they're two separate series, but they sort of, like... it's a, Thanos Quest is a precursor to it. What about the... Have you read the original Infinity War series? That is. Infinity oh, sorry, Gauntlet. Okay. Yeah, so what it is is Infinity Gauntlet, and then there was another sort of series, Infinity War, and then I think Infinity Crusade. Okay. After, but the movie, this movie is based on more Thanos Quest and Infinity Gauntlet. Interesting. So, I haven't read a whole bunch of stuff that involves the Infinity Gauntlet and Thanos, so I'm going to recommend the thing, the event series that we mentioned today that I have read and thoroughly enjoyed, which, which is Infinity, which was a which, of course, came out in 2013, written by Jonathan Hickman, with, as a lot of these events do, a whole bunch of artists, including Jim Chung, uh, Jerome Opena, and Dustin Weaver. Uh, and I believe in that series, Thanos was, like, was attacking Earth. Uh, that's about as much of it as I admittedly can remember in terms of the actual plot details. But in true Hickman fashion, you know, it was big, it was... It was it was bold and it had a from from memory you know, a lot of really good character moments packed in there in between all the action. All right, uh, another sort of event series that I want to talk about is the Thanos Imperative. Um, that's sort of based in the um, in space, um, and it's sort of like the third sort of galaxy event series done by Dan Abner and Andy Lamming, and it focuses. Oh on wow! So. 
And they're, of course, the creative pair that really brought the Guardians of the Galaxy into prominence in the comic book universe. In the modern comics, yeah. Um, but yeah, that's all I've got for this week. Awesome. Well, before we um, head off, do we want to talk about you know what the future of the podcast is? Because we've been we've just like Marvel, we've been keeping that pretty close to the chest. Yeah, but first off, before that, did you want to talk about our? Oh, of course, top yeah. ten and bottom three, and if they've changed. Yeah, so I guess yeah, we wanted to discuss quickly if um if Infinity War has made it into our top ten or into our bottom three. Uh, do you want to go first, or do you like okay. me too, Billy? It's not in my bottom three. Okay, but and it is in my top ten. Yep. I don't know where. So you're not sure which one it's going to bump off? Probably top half of the top ten. Oh, wow. But top I'm, five? I so don't know. I need to watch it a second time. Or do you reckon time. it's like six or seven? I think I need to watch it a second okay. time. What about you? For me, it's not bottom three, but it's not in the top ten. You sure? You're not going to watch it a second time to confirm that? Not at all. I've seen it, and that's I'm good. That's okay. kind of how I feel. It's like, I'm sorry, I'm, like, I'm certainly glad I saw it, but I have no need to watch it again. You sure you don't want to watch it again and discuss it with me later on? I'm going to stand by my previous statement. Okay. <laughs> All right. As Christoph mentioned, we want to talk about the future of this podcast. Yeah. Look, we've had a lot of fun doing this, Billy. Yes, we D- have. Despite how it might appear sometimes on with my grumbling, I've no, I've thoroughly enjoyed the experience. Yes, but I feel like we need a bit of a break. So, hundred uh, percent. So, what we're going to do is we will come back. We will return. The pot, sorry, Infinity War and Beyond will return, <laughs> as they do at the end, of the, as I mentioned at the end of every film. Um, but we'll be back to talk about some of the other films. So yeah, we'll talk I'm, about. I mean, my guess is that we we might I'd release one of these irregularly when a new Marvel film comes out. Yeah, so like the next one is Ant Man and the Wasp. Yes, and after that, Captain Marvel, and then whatever the Infinity, whatever the Avengers you Four know. is. Yes, so the, basically I think the short part of it is the podcast will continue to exist, but definitely not in this, in this current uh, weekly form due to, our, due to our, our busy schedules and yes. the uh, unforeseen time commitment that trying to fit in you know, a two-hour movie and then you know, a, a podcast record about it what was. Yes. And if we do want to do an episode here or there, we will let you know and we will yeah. surprise you. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening to this first wave of Two Infinity War and Beyond. Yeah, thank you for joining us on this journey. And thank yeah. you, Christoph. Thank you, Billy, for, con- for, for convincing me that this was a, a good idea. It's, it's been a lot of fun. Yeah, it has been, man. I love you. I, I wasn't ready for that. Look, yeah, I... you're, you're one of my good <laughs> friends, and I love going on uh-huh. this journey with you. No, I love you too, buddy. I thought it'd be funny to, like, if we ended the podcast on an unrequited love... What a what a left turn. What, you're going to be the Han Solo into my <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Um Well, uh, yeah. Look, th- this th- has been us. We hope you've enjoyed it. Yeah, and if, you, you know, if you've enjoyed the podcast, you can check out uh, more of our stuff and catch us around at Geek of Oz at geekofoz.com, Facebook slash Geek of Oz. Yep, yeah, um, I'm on Twitter under Aqualek. I'm on Twitter under at Weekly Geek. Yep, and look, the podcast, as you know, is on Shaka. I mean, you can get it on iTunes. Rate and review us. Tell your friends about it. I mean, even though Infinity War is done and dusted, these, you know, episodes will be around. So, who knows? Maybe listen to this on your next rewatch of <laughs> the, right. the Marvel Cinematic Universe. All right, till next time, guys. Bye. <laughs>